never seen such pure joy. This is amazing. As you can see, the children's faces, they are excited as they open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus, and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just the child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you. I hope you'll plan to be joining us tonight at 6 o'clock for uh, the packing of our Operation Christmas Child. We can use as many people as possible, so I hope you'll make that part of your plan for the day to be back with us at 6 o'clock. Thank you for joining us for worship. We are so glad you're here today, and if you are a guest, we welcome you, and I'll remind you that we have a gift out on the uh, Welcome Center for you. Just pick up one of those bags, and the gift is inside and other information, but we are so glad that you've chosen to worship with this church family today. And to thank you, those of you who have joined us by live stream, we pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him in spirit and in truth today. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you stand, greet those around you, and then we'll join in singing, This Is My Father's World. <laughs>
worship with us as our worship team leads us this morning.
invite you to sing this next new song with us. It's got a very easy melody and sweet and powerful message, so sing with us.
Good morning, church. My name is James Coleman. I'm the youth pastor here at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. Um, and tonight at 6 o'clock, the youth group is going to be helping with Operation Christmas Child. So I wanted to give a quick shameless plug for that before we dive into our prayer time this morning. I wanted to share with you out of uh, the Old Testament today, Jonah chapter 2. We talked about it in Sunday school too. So if you were in Sunday school, uh, pay extra close attention so you remember what we talked about. <laughs> From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Do you believe this morning that God hears our prayers? Do you believe this morning that God is faithful and that when he hears our prayers, he will give us an answer? Church, I don't know where you are this morning in your own individual lives. I don't know what sicknesses you may face. I don't know what struggles you may be dealing with. But I do know that God knows. I do know that God has his ear tuned to your prayer. And I want to encourage you to call out to him because if, if God will hear Jonah from the belly of a fish, Beneath the mountains, he will hear you. I'd like to invite you to join me at the altar this morning as we go to, go to the Lord in prayer. So will you come? Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning to thank you first for everything that you've done and everything that you do for us. We thank you, God, that you gave your life on a cross that we could have freedom and to be free indeed. Free from the sin and the, and the shame and the guilt. God, we ask that you will help us as well. That not only are we thankful for all that you've done, but we also come to you pleading, God, that you will help us in our times of need that you'll be with those in our families who are sick, that you'll bring healing, God, for you are the author of the body and you can correct it. God, we ask that you will help us to overcome any obstacles that we're facing, personally, professionally, or however. God, that you'll provide a way as your word promises. God, we pray for our children that you'll help us, God, as adults, to raise them up in the way that they should go, that they may not part from it when they're older. Lord, that we will be able to convey and train them up so that they understand that you are the, the way, the truth, and the life. <coughs> God, we ask that you will protect them in their school systems, that you'll protect the teachers, and you'll protect the administrators, Lord, and you will help them, God, to, to assist us in the raising of our children. God, we ask that you will 
be with our nation and the leaders that you've ordained to be there. For God, even though we may not know all of your plans, we trust you in the midst of it. We know that you are sovereign. God, help us to surrender. Help us to surrender control because we all like to pick up and take control of the things that are going on in our lives. It's so easy to do so. But God, we ask that you will help us to lay it down, to bring our failures, to bring our addictions, to bring everything that we have, God, to the foot of your throne and leave it with you. God, we ask that you forgive us for we know that we have fallen short of your glory that we have sinned against you and maybe against our neighbors. But God, we ask that you will forgive us, that you will help us to be peacemakers, that you will help us, God, to represent your kingdom well, that we will not be ashamed of your gospel, Lord, and that we will go out from this place and share the good news of what you've done for us. God, above all things, we trust you and we love you. And we surrender all our praise, all our honor, and all glory unto the holy name of Jesus Christ, our King. Amen. Church, I'd like to invite Sophie Lester to come up and, and read our scripture this morning. Today's scripture reading can be found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and join the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me.
Amen. Thank you all. What a powerful message and song. And Lynette, awesome job in choir and Bill. Man, that's the message. We all say we pray and call it a day. Amen. He never failed me yet. What a powerful message. Thank you all so much. An instrumentalist, beautiful, wonderful message. And thank you all for being here today. And thank you all for watching. I pray that wherever you are, that you might feel the presence of the Lord and be encouraged by his spirit today. I always like to share a little humor to get ready to hear more important things. I'm so uh, thankful to share a story maybe you've heard before about a, a cop that was driving down the freeway when he notices that there is a granny knitting and balancing the steering wheel with her knees. Well, this infuriated the cop, so he pulls up beside the, the granny and he shouts, pull over. And the granny shouted back, no, it's a scarf. <laughs> pull over. Anyway. It's not funny. How many of you all are here today and you've come to understand that life is brief, especially if you're knitting and driving? <laughs> but life is brief, and we've shared this passage through the years. James 4.14 says, Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And we know that David looked at it this way in Psalm 39.5. Everyone is but a breath. In the grand scheme of things, our lives are viewed as a, as a mist or a vapor or a breath in the brevity of life. Understanding that life is brief, how does that change your perspective on life? Or has it? Does it make you understand that some people and some things should be more important than others. Does it, does it affect your purpose in life? Does it affect how you live and how you treat others and how you act? I think realizing and understanding that life is brief, it should change us in a lot of ways. In our scripture reading today, we see Paul writing from prison not knowing how much time he had left. Now, no, this was not when he was in the Mamertime dungeon that we see him writing 2 Timothy, but he is believed to have been in his own rented house in Rome where he was free to impart the gospel to anyone who came to see him, but yet he was shackled and guarded by the Roman soldiers. And it is here that Paul writes the church of Philippi to thank them for a love gift, an offering they had sent him upon learning of his detention in Rome. But he also wanted to encourage them to stand firm in the face of persecution. Now this part is key, and this is really what this whole letter is about, and to rejoice regardless of your circumstance, to rejoice in the Lord regardless of of your circumstance. He also encouraged them to have humility and the importance of unity in the body of Christ. And so 
after hearing these passages today, I pray that it would encourage you and encourage me to give our best to the Lord who gave his best for us. Several years ago, I inducted a line in my daily prayers that I've continued to pray all these years later. And whether or not you have and would be willing to induct it in your prayers is between you and the Lord. But I started praying years ago along with my normal prayers, my daily prayers, Lord, help me to make a difference for you today. Lord, help me to make a difference for you today. And I have to tell you, I'm sure I failed many times. But that has been my prayer and I believe my purpose that I would make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for you and for me. Are you making a difference for the kingdom of God? Would you like to make a difference in the brevity of this life for the kingdom of God? And if your answer is yes, I would like my life to count. I would like to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Then this message is for you. For we learn in these passages, and this is a passage if you came to Coffee and Connections last Sunday night that we used to discuss. But this is a wonderful passage where we see Paul's dedication. If you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God, if you want to make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ, then we must have dedication. Paul said in verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1, for to me to live is Christ. What Paul was saying was, my passion is Christ. My purpose is Christ. The pattern of my life is Christ. My position in this world is Christ. My inspiration is Christ. My motivation is Christ. I surrender my all to Christ. My goal is Christ. My aim is Christ. Above all, for to me to live is Christ. And we know that he meant that. Because you remember a, a verse we used a couple of weeks ago, Galatians 2.20, when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ Jesus now lives in me. We know he was sold out. He was surrendered. He was dedicated. He was committed. He was faithful to Christ. And we know that he meant business. If you would read on over in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he said, Whatever were gains to me, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. And he went to say, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for which I have lost all things. What were all the things he was referring to? Well, a few passages uh, back in Philippians chapter 3, he talked about his religious upbringing and his religious tradition and his education and his Jewish pedigree. He listed all these things. He said, now, compared to Christ, they mean nothing to me. The things that used to bring my life 
worth and meaning don't mean anything to me anymore. And really, that's a message for all of us. Some of us think our jobs give our lives meaning. We think Young people, our sports achievements give our life meaning. Our, our accomplishments on this team or, or that team or, or we think the kind of car we drive or the kind of house we live in or, or the success that we've had climbing the corporate ladder, all that is good and fine, but compared to Christ, it means nothing. As a matter of fact, we have taught our children, and I pray they'll always remember this, that you are more than what you do. Your identity is in Christ. You don't have to get your meaning from this person or that person or this sport or, or being in this uh, particular activity or, or whether or not you were in this or that. Your identity is in Christ, and he'll always give your life meaning. And that's what Paul was saying uh, on over in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, he said, For I want to know Christ, and yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and somehow so attaining to the resurrection of Christ. That's what he really wanted to know. That's what brought meaning to his life. He was saying all these other things now that I thought meant so much, uh, his, again, religious tradition and, and family heritage and his education and, and his all those things, now, after knowing Christ, means nothing. And Paul tried to set an example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Would you like to say that to your children or to your grandchildren or to your teammate, your classmate, your uh, co-worker? Would you want to say, follow my example? Or would you say, look, do what I say, not as I do. So many times we don't want people following our example because we're not living the way we should. But yet Jesus says, you know, that he came to set an example. Paul was trying to follow the example of Christ. If you were here last Wednesday night, uh, I shared about, and uh, actually last Sunday, about one of our members who is a dedicated, wonderful man of God, Larry Demerit. Many of you know Larry, and many of you know that Larry suffered a heart attack last week. And Larry is a prayer warrior. I know he prays for my family and I every day. He prays specifically for needs that we have shared about our children. He prays, I'm sure, for many of you. Many times he's back in the prayer room during the service. But he is a man after God's own heart. And I went to see Larry in the hospital. When I went into Larry's room, the room was dark. Larry was sitting on the side of his bed. And I said, Larry, how are you doing? And if you were here last Sunday night, you heard this. I don't think I shared it on Wednesday. You know what the first words out of Larry's mouth was? This man of God, this, this follower of Christ, this man who seeks God early in the morning. He said, Pastor, 
For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you know what? I knew he meant it. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the kind of passion that Paul had. I believe that's the kind of passion Larry Demerit has because the doctors told him years ago that he had a short time to live. I think he said five years ago they didn't give him any time to live. That was five years ago. But he said, they're not God. <laughs> and I praise God that Larry understands what Paul understood, and I hope what we all understand. For to me, to live is Christ. He was dedicated. But then secondly, there was a desire the second part of verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. Secondly, and to die is gain. To die is gain. Tell him you'll call him back in a minute. <laughs> and to die is gain. And if you would look in verse 23 of Philippians chapter 1, he said, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. You understand, he knew to leave this old body, it would be better to be with Christ. That's exactly what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. He said, we are confident, and yes, we prefer to be apart from the body and to be present with the Lord. Some translations, you remember, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He believed that as soon as his body would leave this old earth, he would be with the Lord. Kind of like when Jesus was on the cross and the criminal on the cross said, remember me, Lord, when you uh, go into heaven. And he said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And I believe that Paul understood what I pray we will understand, that it's great to be here, but it's even better to be with the Lord. Because one day, these old bodies are going to end. And as a matter of fact, in verse 9 of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, we make it our goal to please the Lord. And that should be our goal, to please the Lord. But I've heard so many of you through the years when you've lost loved ones to say, I've got more family over there than I do here. And I'm homesick. I, I want to be at home in heaven with my family who's gone on. There's more over there. And I remember years ago, some of y'all remember that gospel song that Squire Parsons sang, Beulah Land. You remember that verse, Beulah Land, I'm longing for you. And someday on thee I'll stand. There my home shall be eternal. Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. Beulah translated in Hebrew is married. And he was talking about reuniting, reuniting God with his covenant people after they had been in exile, that they would enter back into that promised land. And for us, Beulah land means heaven and means eternity. And when we talk about crossing the Jordan, which the children of Israel had to cross to get to the promised land, for us, crossing the Jordan means leaving this old world and entering into our eternal life, that sweet Beulah land where there's no more sickness or crying or pain. He's talking about heaven. And I hope that we all 
have a longing. To desire means to have a, a deep longing. It means that it comes from the depths of our heart. Paul had a deep longing that he knew would not be filled until he would be with the Lord in heaven. He wanted a nearer presence. The Holy Spirit gives us the presence of the Lord until we see him, but he also was wanting it to even be closer. To be apart from this body means to be present with the Lord. We must have a dedication if we want to make a difference for the Lord. We must have a desire to be in heaven one day. Do you desire to be in heaven one day? Pray we all do. But then lastly, he had to make a decision. He said in verse 22, if I am to go on living in this body, it will mean fruitful labor for me. But he said, but I don't know which to choose. I, I don't know. And it was like a tug of war. And then he gives the answer in verse 24 of Philippians chapter 1. He said, but it would be more beneficial or better for you all if I remain. He was saying to the church, it would be better for you because I'm going to be serving. He was postponing his trip to heaven to serve in the church, to serve and minister to those in need. And what a beautiful challenge for us. I've heard people say, I don't know why I'm still here. I don't know why all my loved ones have gone. Why am I still here? And I've always said to them, because God has a purpose for you being here. You're to be an inspiration. You're to be a witness. You're to be a living testimony. There's a reason God has you here, to share with others the hope you have in Jesus Christ. And know this, that Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, literal work of art or masterpiece. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. Did you know that you are a work of art? You are a masterpiece there's none like you, even if you have an identical twin, you are not identical in every way. God created you for a purpose. We are God's workmanship, created to do good works. Jesus in John, or Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but rather to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear that? Jesus did not come to just sit on the bench and watch others work. He came to serve. And that's what we're called. I shared at the early service. Um, it's easy sometimes when we sit on the sidelines or on the bench and critique everybody playing in the game. And I know I wasn't the only one critiquing Kentucky's football team yesterday. <laughs> but it's a lot harder when you're out there playing. I remember when I played basketball, if I wasn't in the game and if I was sitting on the bench, I was chomping at the bit because I knew I could get in there and do better than this one or that one. I'm like, I know, just give me a chance. I can't wait to get in the game and show what I can do. Same way in our service to the Lord. We don't need people sitting back criticizing those who are in the game. We need the people to come into the game and help 
with the work that needs to be done so we can see victory together. We know that Jesus said the fields are, are white unto harvest or ripe unto harvest, but the laborers are few. And we know that all of us, Romans 12, 6, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter says that we are to use whatever gifts we have received to serve others. Did you hear that? To serve others. Not just sitting back saying, and I, somebody corrected me after the early service. I said, y'all remember that old Paula Abdul song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? And somebody corrected me and said it was Janet Jackson who said, What Have You Done For Me Lately? I knew one of them said it from the 80s. But many of us say, God, what have you done for me lately? And maybe he's saying, well, what have you done for me lately? I've given you my best, my son Jesus. What have you done and are doing for me? Now I'm going to get personal here for the next couple minutes. We're about to wrap this up. This is a wonderful church, and so many of you all are faithful workers in the field. We couldn't do what we do without you, I can tell you that. But we have some real needs in this church, in a church of this size, you can imagine we have a lot of needs. We have a desperate need right now for people to work in our children's wing, our children's ministry. We have some parents who are back there all the time, at a church this size, if, if we have more people to sign up, then you may not have to work, but only once every three or four months. But because there's such a shortage, especially starting our second service back, and Mary Rainwater, our children's director, does an outstanding job, but she can't do it all. And many of y'all are faithful to work back there, but even so, she sends out pleas on Saturday nights begging for somebody to work with our children. That's sad that a church this size, we have to beg people to work with the children. We read in Proverbs, train a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not turn or depart from it. We need people to work in our children's wing. And then, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but... Eight years ago, we built a gym over here called the Cross Center. People that come visit this gym from other uh, counties or communities or even other states said, man, this is one of the nicest facilities I've ever been in. We love it. And some of you all are members. You don't take advantage of it. You go work out in other gyms in the community because you say, well, the hours don't fit our schedule. It's not open enough. You know why the hours haven't been expanded? We don't have enough volunteers. Lee Rainwater, our recreation director, does an outstanding job. And did you know that the majority of our workers and volunteering at the Cross Center are senior adults? We have people, Maxine Wiley's in her 90s, who volunteers at the Cross Center. We could have expanded hours if we had more workers and we could get people in at their preferred times, whether it's early in the morning or later at night. We need volunteers for the Cross Center. It's a beautiful facility. 
And we would love for you to have a part in ministering to people as they come through those doors. We have people that greet every week. We have a schedule of greeters. You say, well, I can't work with kids. I didn't even say sign up for our student ministry because I thought you all were okay, JT, but I knew there was a desperate need with our children in Cross Center. You might have a need for student volunteers. But you might say, well, I don't work with children. I don't work with youth. I, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about gym or equipment or all that. What, what can I, well, you can be a greeter. I mean, goodness, Waffle House used to have geezer greeters. <laughs> Remember when Waffle House was first built? You'd go in, good morning. Everybody would say, good morning. You're like, hey. But like cheers, you know, everybody knew your name. They're always glad you came at Waffle House. Well, we can all greet. You can say, good morning. Welcome to the Forks. And I love the fact that I spoke with some dear folks who met me today after the early service to come to Sunday school. And they've been visiting here several weeks. And you know what they said to me is what I've said on Wednesday night to those of y'all. Here's the sweetest compliment that anybody could say. They said when they first came into this church, they could feel the presence of the Lord. That is why we pray over these pews on Wednesday night that people would feel the Holy Spirit. That's the greatest compliment anybody could say. Not that the music was great or the sermon was good or the joke was outstanding, but the greatest thing that somebody could say is we feel the Holy Spirit in this place because a lot of places you can't feel Him. But we all have an opportunity to serve, and that, that is not an exhausted list. That, that's just some things, volunteers and children. And so today when you leave, there is a table in the foyer that has sign-ups. If you want to work with the children, then you've got to fill out a, uh, what's it called? Background check. If you're running from the law, you can't work with the children right now. <laughs> but a background check, we would love for you to sign up and get a background check. If you pass, then we'll let you work with the children. Uh, we also, again, need people who work the cross there. There's sign-up sheets just for those three ministries. If you feel led, pray about it. And if you feel led, they're out there on a table. You can sign up to be a part of what God is doing. But it takes a village, doesn't it? It takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to operate God's church. He needs all of us. And look, your talent may be different from mine, mine and yours, but we are all part of the team. Everybody's got to do their part, including special teams. <laughs> anyway, we all have to do our part in seeing victory in God's church. And I want to close by sharing this. And uh, I always hesitate to call anybody by name because when you start mentioning names, you leave somebody out. You know, I, I've tried to pray on Sunday morning prayer time at the all. I've tried to list 26 names in my prayer, but the 27th person I left off, and somebody said, so you didn't pray for me. I'm so sorry. I, I tried to do this better not to call people by name at the prayer time. That way you include everybody because you inevitably... Well, I usually won't call out in particular one person serving because so many of you all 
serve so faithfully, so beautifully. But I, I felt led to call out one today just because they do so much for the Lord and his church. I know they do it because they love him and they love this church. But we have someone who faithfully serves in this church as a deacon. Deacon means one who serves. They're a deacon. They're a servant. It's not a powerhead. It's a servant body. They're a servant in that capacity. They also serve by being on our accounting committee. Our accounting committee that, that counts the offering on Sunday. Uh, they serve in that area. They, they serve in the children's wing as a volunteer. They serve in the cross center as a volunteer. They, they take up money on Wednesday night for the family uh, night meal. They also were, I don't know if they still are, they would go to the to local jail and have Bible study with the ladies at the jail. I mean, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but Martha Armstrong is a faithful servant. And any single men, she's single. And if you want to send your resumes to me, <laughs> send your resumes to me and I will proof them for Martha. Nothing is impossible, Martha. <laughs> but not only that, Martha regularly sends encouraging cards to Kelly and me will even send a gift when she probably doesn't have it to send, but she does. And you know what she always, most of the time, closes out on her card? Serve him till we see him. Serve him till we see him. What a beautiful testimony that we serve God until we see him face to face. And we need some more Martha Armstrongs in this church who will use their talents, their gifts. And she's a willing servant in so many different ways. And you say, what can I do? You can do something. <laughs> you can contribute to the team in some way. So if the Lord is speaking to your heart today, I encourage you to say, I can do something. I can do behind the scenes. I'm not an upfront person, but I sure can serve as many of you already faithfully do. But I pray today that we would all, before leaving this place, would make a commitment to say, Lord, help me to make a difference for you today. May we pray. I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. But Christ Jesus now lives in me. Lord, I pray today that we would be men and women or young people or children that are sold out and surrendered, dedicated to you. And Lord, if there's someone here today and they haven't taken the first step of coming to know you personally, may they today, God, confess their sin, ask for your forgiveness, invite you to come in, repent from the old ways, and start walking in newness of life 
through the power of your Holy Spirit, would they pray that prayer, however you guide them. Lord, I pray for Christians maybe that have been on the sideline after COVID. That COVID fog has just stayed with us. It's never lifted. And we stop doing things we used to do. And we stop serving. And we stop, Father, being a, a faithful follower. Oh, God, bring them back today. May there be a rekindling of the flame, Father, and that we would begin to serve once again, however and whatever that might look like. Father, I pray for people that have been visiting this church and they do feel your Holy Spirit. Father, may you always reside here in the hearts of your people, in the heart of this church. And may you bring the conviction, may you bring the forgiveness, may you bring the salvation, may you bring the purpose. And Father, give them the boldness to come unite with this family of faith. So, Father, however your spirit is leading, may we be willing to surrender it all to you fully and completely and say, here I am, Lord. Use me for thy service. And we'll give you all the praise in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. If you're in this place, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of commitment. I invite you to stand. If you're watching, contact me. The office would be my humble privilege to pray with you about your decision. But I'm going to invite you to come as we sing, I Surrender All. Do you mean it? As we sing it.
thankful for you all being here today and for those who came forward asking for prayer and, and for God's strength and know that he offers it to all of us who will call upon his holy name. And please remember that tonight is a great opportunity for you to serve as we pack shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. It's a great family event. You can come around to the back of the church, enter into the fellowship. I will pack, be packing hundreds of boxes of toys and, and goodies for children who otherwise would not experience Christmas all across the world. It's a great event. I invite you to come tonight at 6. And don't forget about Wednesday night is our fellowship meal at 5 down the stairs. And then if you can't make it for that, prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. We always have a great time praying together. But church, thank you all so much for being who you are and allowing the Holy Spirit to be here. I say it every week, and I don't say it lightly. My family and I, we love you, but the Lord loves you even more. And uh, please know that as you go from this place. And Bill, thank you for leading today. Choir, y'all did an outstanding job, an instrumentalist. If you would close us in a song. us to make a difference for you today and may we serve you until we see you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.